0: This is InfoTrack, the weekly show with information you should know. Here's what's happening on this week's show. Many young people dream of becoming teachers, but a shockingly high number of new teachers burn out in a few years and find a new career. We'll have this story. We're really not
1: preparing our young teachers. It's not only a waste of money, but it's a waste of human potential and capital.
0: Then, it's a profession most people dread dealing with but must at some time in their lives. An expert tells how to clean it up and make it better.
2: We have to revisit the question of what our
0: purpose is. It can't
2: simply be our own profit. We've got to be available to people who have problems regardless how much they have in the way of resources.
0: Those two stories and much more are coming your way on this week's edition of InfoTrack. Stick around. Our show gets underway right after this. InfoTrack, the weekly show with information you should know. Here's your host, Chris Whitting. Did you know that a remarkably high percentage of new teachers get burned out in their first five years and find another career? It's a problem that may be affecting your child's education. With a look, here's InfoTrack's Roy Mackie.
2: Roy? Thanks, Chris. Our guest is award-winning teacher Dara Feldman, who has written a book called The Heart of Education. You have a statistic that I found rather surprising. Fifty percent of new teachers get burned out in the first five years and end up leaving the profession. Why is teacher burnout such a huge problem?
1: Well, I think that when you go into education, you believe in all this idealism. Yet what we're doing in higher ed is we're really not preparing our young teachers, first of all, especially not with the foundational classroom management and ways to engage our students. And secondly, there's so much put on teachers. You wouldn't believe, and we keep adding things and adding things and not taking anything away, with the exception of that joy, meaning, and purpose, which No Child Left Behind kind of left us with.
2: This amount of teacher turnover certainly does have a financial cost to school districts, doesn't it?
1: Absolutely. It probably takes about $40,000 of an investment over five years to really help a young teacher learn everything that they need to learn to have that lifelong successful career. And when we make this investment, and it's not the appropriate professional development, and we don't create those learning communities of engagement and well-being and appreciation and support, then it's not only a waste of money, but it's a really waste of human potential and capital.
2: Are teachers encountering students who are dramatically different today than they were, say, 20, 30, 40 years ago? Is that somehow contributing to this?
1: Part of my background is technology. I was an instructional technology specialist. And probably five or ten years ago, I would have said, no, not really. But now, because we have our young digital natives, and they really have access to just-in-time learning and things that are meaningful for them, and that they have a greater world view because of that connection and the 24-7 access, I do think that our young learners are very different. I think that they also have higher expectations on the people who teach them because, hey, if you can't keep up with what I can get on my iPad, my iPhone, my computer, then why do I really have to show up and come to school? So I think that's one difference, and I also think that... We've been so focused on academic rigor and testing that that meaning and purpose has really been left out of education. And when students aren't being challenged in meaningful ways and given authentic opportunities to show what they know, they're not as happy and they're not as engaged in learning. And you know what happens when you're not engaged and happy in a classroom. Oh, you know what can break loose. So I think it's harder to manage the kids, and that's not really something that's the educator's fault. Their hands are tied because of policy.
2: You mentioned the uh, No Child Left Behind program. I'm assuming the Race to the Top program might be on that same shelf with you, but how do you increase teacher accountability and the desire to measure teacher performance, but balance that with avoiding teacher burnout?
1: If I had the answer to that, I would be on Oprah right now. No, I'm just kidding. I do think that teachers want to be held accountable, and there's a way to balance that accountability and authenticity. When I was coaching teachers in D.C. public schools, the accountability system, and actually it's still there, it was unjust because I had a fourth-grade teacher who was Excellent. When you observed her, she would have perfect ratings. She was voted number one teacher in the school by all of the students. Yet, when her fourth graders took the D.C. assessment, they didn't perform well, even though she had moved the majority of her class up two grade levels in reading. But get this. She was teaching fourth grade. A lot of her students came in reading on a kindergarten, first grade level. So even though she moved them up two full years, they were still reading on a second or third grade level and were not able to access the test and be able to read it. So I honestly, in the standardized testing, I don't know. But if we look at the authentic assessments, like their individual reading scores on things like M-Class, I think that would be fairer than on the standardized assessment.
2: Our guest on InfoTrack is Dara Feldman. She's an award-winning teacher and now the author of a book called The Heart of Education, Bringing Joy, Meaning, and Purpose Back to Teaching and Learning. And we're discussing teacher burnout and how to prevent it. Dara, if there's a parent who would like to help their child's teacher who they think may be stressed out, what can they do?
1: I think number one is just words of encouragement. You know, if your child comes home and starts complaining, the teacher's so unfair and I can't believe this happened, instead of just taking your child's word for it, you can hear them and honor them. But you can ask the teacher, hey, you know, I'm just curious, being really mindful of our language, I'm just curious, you know, did something happen in school today? How is my child doing is the way that I can be of service at home to support my student and sending little words of encouragement. You know what? I really appreciate your flexibility meeting with me at 7 o'clock in the evening after work. Thank you for your generosity of time, giving a little bit of extra support to my child. I really appreciate your compassion and understanding, you know, letting my child have some time to calm down. In the morning, knowing that it's really challenging for him going back and forth between divorced parents. So I think just really the language that we use coming from that place of appreciation that goes a long way.
2: And is there anything that school boards ought to be doing that in many cases they're not?
1: I think maybe instead of pointing fingers and blaming, if they were to go into the schools and have a little opportunity for some empathy. And to see what they're taught, not talk with teachers, really listen to teachers and allow them to have some voice and choice and leadership in the school system. I also think, again, a culture of appreciation, just being able to not honor them in lip service, but really create practices that treat the educators as professionals and not just as Worker bees.
2: And if I'm a parent who has a child, by all appearances to me, has a teacher who is burned out, is there anything I can do or should do about that?
1: Yeah, I do. I think that parents have a responsibility. The community has a responsibility. And I would just check in, start with the teacher and saying, hey, notice that, you know, perhaps that things are a little bit stressful. Is there any way that I can be of service? Can I support you? You know, is there anything going on? And just being able to listen. And maybe you'll find out underneath that there's something in the teacher's life. Maybe they have a child that's sick or an elderly parent that they're taking care of. So kind of find out what's going on without coming up to a judgment. And then oftentimes when somebody gets hurt, then it kind of makes space for their excellence to rise to the top. And if nothing changes and it's really creating harm, then next would be going to the administrator and just saying, hey, I'm really concerned. This is what I'm noticing. Maybe this teacher could get some support. And always come from that place of being a service and trying to make it better instead of pointing fingers and blaming.
2: We've been talking with Dara Feldman, the author of The Heart of Education: Bringing Joy, Meaning, and Purpose Back to Teaching and Learning. Dara, do you have a website where folks can learn more? I do. It's my name:
1: Dara Feldman. Feldman. dot com
2: Well, thank you very much for joining us on InfoTrack. Thank you. It was a joy. And for InfoTrack,
0: I'm Roy Mackey. Next, it's a profession people complain about and make jokes about, yet nothing seems to change. An expert tells how to clean it up. Stick around. There's more InfoTrack straight ahead.